0: Employment Hour right here. The number is 1-855-821-5900. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We always have uh, great things uh, on the docket, my friend. We'll get to the severance pay calculator, an amazing tool, which we talk about uh, all the time. Though We like to get into the week with the week that was and start the show every week with that uh, particular content. What do you got for us this week, pal?
1: hey Johnny thanks and, and welcome to uh, everyone here on the employment hour uh, wanting to educate and inform you about your legal rights these are These are important things things that affect you, and uh, even if they don't affect you now, stay tuned, listen up because at some point chances are odds are uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about you'll find relevant uh, they're going to impact you and affect you so so stay tuned. Uh, week that was always start off the show with uh, two situations that I dealt with in the previous few days uh, where I think there's an important lesson for all our listeners. The first one deals with a uh, temporary layoff and we've talked about this before and hopefully if you're a regular listener to the show you know already that a temporary layoff is actually not allowed a temporary layoff is a termination. Mm. If uh, you've been laid off temporarily, you have the right to treat that as a termination and get the company to pay you your full severance. So this matter I'm going to tell you about had a bit of an interesting uh, twist there uh, at the end. So uh, I was contacted by a very, very nice gentleman who was laid off for the first time after working for a company for over 10 years. Uh, he was uh, a mechanic and uh, you know was let go. Or sorry, laid off supposedly temporarily and the company said, we don't know, but hopefully we'll call you back in a few months. Mm -hmm. So I told him, well, no, that's, that's a termination. So let's get you your severance. He, you know, he really all he wanted was his job back. He wanted to get back to work, but you know, it is what it is. So I contacted the company and I said, well, you know, you've terminated him. You have to pay him a severance. Well, lo and behold, what the company does then, once they realize that they have to pay him severance, is they say, oh, okay, okay, come back to yeah. work. We'll just recall you back to work. Now, my client wanted to go back to work. He really wanted his job. He had it for 10 years. It was a well-paying job. So, so he didn't really want to leave severance or no severance. So here's what we ended up doing. We agreed with the employer here that they'll take him back to work. That we we had them agree that he doesn't give them the right to lay him off again in the future. And also they agreed to cover him for the time that he was off. By nice. then he had already been off for about 10 weeks. So they had agreed to cover him for the 10 weeks that he's been off to make him whole, take him back to work and not agree that they can lay him off in the future. He was extremely happy about that. He gets back to work. He didn't lose any income. They even agreed to cover his legal fees. So it was a really good result for this gentleman where he got what he wanted. Now, they couldn't necessarily have made him come back to work. They could have, they would have had to pay him severance. But because he was anxious to go back, he wanted his job. This was a very good resolution. So I think that's an important point here because it is in some situations like this with a temporary layoff that we may actually get you your job back if you want it because once the company realizes, oh crap, we have to pay this guy a year severance, well, we may as well have him come back to work. That could be an option. So that, that all starts off with the understanding and realizing that a temporary layoff is actually illegal and that you have right and you have recourse and you give me a call to discuss it. That's what this guy did. And thankfully and hopefully uh, for a long term, he got his job back, and he's quite happy about it, John.
0: There wouldn't be any uh, you know bad blood moving forward, or there wouldn't be a concern about that at all because of you know the friction that just went down.
1: You know, because that we didn't have to take any legal action, it was all pretty quick and above board uh you know there was no lawsuits or anything like yeah. that. He felt that he should be able to continue working and and they they assured from their perspective that uh you know from their their perspective there's no bad blood, but that is true in some cases, the employer may be uh, a bit upset as to you know the employee daring to challenge them uh over what they've done. In this case, it doesn't look like that's going to be uh, what's happening. So hopefully uh, he continues to work there for many, many more years.
0: And now the fact that they know that he's wise enough to contact you, it's, you know, squeaky uh, squeaky wheel gets a grease, so they'll probably uh – you know, uh, they'll roll forward with caution when it comes uh, to him next time, which is a plus yeah. for him, I guess, Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a
1: very good point. They probably know that he, he now understands his entitlements or at least yep. knows someone that that understands his entitlements, so they'll probably tread carefully when it comes to doing things that they're not supposed to do. Uh, so really a very good result for this guy uh, in this particular cir- uh, circumstances. Excellent. What else you got? Ne- next situation in my series of worst severance packages ever <laughs> Uh, and you know, it's actually difficult for me to come up with these because there's so many of them that I, <laughs> nice. I come across every week. So to, to pick one that's particularly bad. Uh, but again, in this situation, we, we were talking about uh, a fairly uh, well-paid individual, a salesperson, uh, that was making over $200,000 and is, had worked for the company for eight years. And the company said that uh, they're going to pay him eight weeks pay when they let him go, but eight weeks of his base salary. He was salary plus commissions. So eight weeks of his base salary was right around eight thousand dollars. Uh where he got uh he is owed twelve months full compensation, which was over two hundred thousand dollars. So so this was a situation where the, the the difference, the value between what they've offered him and what they actually owed him was two hundred thousand dollars. Uh and, and there's an important lesson there because you know, you out there listening right now, you may not be owed two hundred thousand dollars worth of severance, but you may well find yourself in a situation where you've been offered eight weeks severance when you're owed twelve month severance, or when you've been offered severance that doesn't include all components of your compensation. Right. So that's an extremely important lesson. It's not just about how many weeks or months pay you get, it's what's included in it. Is it just base salary? Well then what about bonuses? What about commissions? What about benefits? Car allowance, pension. All those things should be included. And for this particular gentleman, the difference, the delta, was over $200,000. Jeez. And I thought it was worth mentioning here, uh, just a terrible, terrible severance offer.
0: We'll take a, a short break. Information can be had any time, even when the show is over. You call one 821 5900 and Leor L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com through email. We'll get to the severance pay calculator, some emails, and we'll get into the biggest mistakes that employers make. After a short break here in the Employment Hour, Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number 1-855-821-5900 and leor at employmenthour.com. Let's talk about the Severance Pay Calculator, and uh, I love this tool. Give me some details.
1: Yeah, Johnny, and, and thank you. And you know, The reason we always talk about it is because we always have new listeners on the show, and it's so important to mention. It's so important for people to know. Uh, about it. So we start off with the the address. Where do you find the calculator? Well, you simply go to severancepaycalculator.com or there's a severance pay app, which you can download for your smartphone. Uh, and that's it. That's, then you're armed with that information. You have access to find out at any time how much severance you're owed, whether you just lost your job, maybe you lost your job a while ago, or maybe you're worried about losing your job in the future and you want to know, what would I be owed? How much would I get? Well, severancepaycalculator.com, and you input three things, your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and you find out exactly how much you're owed. That's all it is. It's so simple. It's, it's, it's anonymous. Your information is not accessed by anyone. It's strictly there for your information. Uh, make that uh, the the first place you go to. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people use it and they're shocked. And try it right now if you don't believe me. You may be happily employed. You're not even thinking about losing your job, but think in your mind what you think you'd be owed if you lost your job today, and then keep that in mind. And then use the severance calculator yeah. and see what that says. Now you know. Now you have that information. And if you know someone that lost their job. Just tell them to go to com.
0: You know, and it's so easy. We've done it live on the show many times. It it takes literally less than a minute. And the number comes out the bottom, and you look at your offer. You look at the calculator, look at your offer, and go, wow, this number can't be right. It's so inflated. But no, that's the that's the common law. That's the rights. That's your entitlements, right?
1: Yeah, that is exactly. And, and that's when often people call, uh, call me, and they almost think that, you know, I got this number, but maybe I did it wrongly, or maybe maybe there was a, some sort of a bug, yeah. or, or I don't know, maybe I filled the, in the questions wrong. Can it be that I'm owed uh, eight months pay if I worked there for four years? Yeah, it can and it is, and that's the way your entitlements actually are structured. So use it, uh, tell others about it, and and don't uh, let anyone uh, get away with not paying you what they owe you.
0: You know, we get a lot of calls and emails in the show saying, you know, we focus so much on employees, it's good to uh, throw it back to employers once in a while. So we'll do that for a, a portion of the show today the biggest mistakes that employers make I'll run through these and you can expand on them uh, don't properly deal with workplace harassment complaints
1: yeah johnny and and you know we, we do want to educate both employees and employers we want to tell people best practices advise people of, of rights and obligations and you know a, a lot of times employers get into trouble because they don't know certain things or or they make certain assumptions or they simply don't deal with things the way they should deal with. So I'm going to talk, uh, over the next couple of segments, we're going to talk about a few of those big ones, a few of those matters that get employers into trouble, uh, and, and, uh, create, uh, create problems for them. And the first one you just mentioned, it is a big one and it gets bigger all the time as people become more aware of their rights. And that is harassment, workplace harassment, and employers not dealing with it properly, not taking the legal action, not taking the measures that they're supposed to do to either protect employees from harassment, or even more important, to properly deal with it when the harassment is raised. So, let's, let's break this down here. Every employee has a right to be, to work in a workplace that's free of harassment, in a workplace that's not poisoned, in a workplace that's supportive for, for doing their job. And when that workplace becomes poison and they are subject to harassment, an employer has a duty to solve this problem. And sometimes it's not easy, sometimes it's not pleasant. No one likes to deal with these issues. So if I complain to my employer that that I'm being harassed, you know, it's obviously easy to bury that under the rug or forget about it or hope that it solves itself or goes away, but it doesn't, it does not do that. So if you're an employer you absolutely have to deal with these issues. You have to deal with them head on. You have to investigate the allegations. You have to find out what actually happened. If it's complicated, if there's a lot of people involved, it may mean you have to bring an outsider to investigate, that there's those that specialize in investigating these harassment uh, situations in the workplace. Get to the bottom of it. Find out what actually happened and then take measures to prevent it from happening again. That may be as simple as talking to someone and telling them what's expected of them uh, or it could be having to let someone go because they're clearly not fit to continue working there or anything in between you know it could be training there could be other disciplinary measures but you have to fix the problem and why is it so important what can happen if you don't well number one you could face yourself with a constructive dismissal claim you could face your uh, you could be faced with a human rights claim. You also can end up having employees that go off on a disability because the harassment impacted them so much, and then now on their medical leave indefinitely, that's going to impact your workplace, impact your productivity, uh, impact your bottom line. So as an employer, one of the most important things you can do is if you become aware of a harassment situation, deal with it, review it, investigate, take measures. And if you're an employee that's subject to harassment, you don't have to take it. You You don't have to suffer quietly talk to your employer, have them deal with it. And if they don't deal with it, if they can't deal with it, you give me a call and we we, we deal with this by way of legal means. Harassment is something that should be unacceptable in the workplace job. I mean,
0: yeah. How many times have you had a phone call from an employee saying, you know, I told my boss and they're just like, ah, hey, you know what? It's a bunch of guys. Just suck it up. You'll be fine.
1: Yeah. It, that's unacceptable. Right. You know, maybe back in the 60s that was acceptable. You know, boys will be good boys and let's yeah. just uh, light up another uh, cigar, but <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way anymore. And, and the laws recognize that. And the laws have penalized employers very significantly for being aware of harassment issues and not dealing with them. So, so let's get away from the old boys club mentality. Let's deal with these issues. It doesn't matter if the person raising the harassment issues is a, is a man or a woman. Uh, if they're a senior employee or a junior employee, we have to treat it all, uh, properly, we have to take it all seriously, and if we don't then you know what? There's a lot of legal
0: liability. 1-855-821-5900 is the number anytime. Emails Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We talked about it this segment. If you haven't checked it out, uh, do so during the break. That is severancepaycalculator.com. Find out what you're really owed and put some uh, basic information, and you'll get a number out the bottom. And if you want to consult Lior at that point, there's an option to do that uh, as well. We'll take a short break here in the Employment Hour. Right here, talk radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number anytime Lee or at employmenthour.com and severancepaycalculator.com to find out what your severance offer should really be because we can almost guarantee it's going to be uh, lacking big time. We're talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make. Number two on our list as we uh, go down here, uh, have employees sign employment agreements after after they start working.
1: Yeah, and, and usually em- employers, when they when they have an employee sign an employment agreement, they understand that that's an important document and then they understand that we want to have employees sign an employment agreement because there are terms there that are good for the employer. And if I have my employer advisor hat on, I'm going to say, yeah, if you're an employer, one of the most important things you can do to protect your business from liability and to give yourself flexibility to do the things that you want to do is to have an employee sign an employment agreement. So someone may listen to us and say, okay, great. I'm going to go tomorrow and have all my employees sign employment agreements and life is good. Well, not so fast. Uh, For an employment agreement to be enforceable, it has to actually usually be signed before the employee starts working. If you have the employment agreement signed after employment starts, it's not enforceable. And that's where a lot of employers get into trouble by having existing employees sign employment agreements or have the employee sign it after they start working. And then they realize, holy cow, this whole time, this agreement was actually not enforceable why is that the case? Well, the reason why an employment agreement has to be signed before is in order for it to be enforceable, the employee has to get something in return for mm-hmm. signing. So if you sign it before you start working, well, what happens there? You get something in return for signing, right? You get the job. You sign the agreement, you got the job, so there's this give and take. If you already have the job and then you sign the agreement, well, you're not getting anything in return for signing. You already have the job, you're continuing to work, so nothing has changed. So because of that, in most cases, the agreement is not enforceable if, in fact, the employee is already working. The way to make it enforceable, if you already have an employee working, is you have to offer the employee something in return for signing. It can be a one-time signing bonus. It could be a pay increase, a promotion, extra vacation, whatever, something that they wouldn't otherwise be entitled to have in return for signing. So if you want to have an employment agreement that's enforceable, if you're an employer, You have to have the employee either sign it before they start working or give them something in return. So many employers don't bother with that. And having someone sign an agreement a day after they start working is not good enough. At that point, may as well save some of the trees and don't bother with an employment agreement because it's just not going to be effective, John.
0: So how about this? Here's the scenario. Somebody starts working, they've already been working for 10 years, comes down the pike, a new agreement, they sign it. Uh, they're giving nothing and say this new agreement, one of the things it does, it restricts their severance to, I don't know, the uh, the, the minimum, two weeks per year. And then a year later, they get uh, they get let go. So they're an 11-year employee. What would their severance be like? It would have nothing to do with that new agreement, would it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and oh. the scenario you just described is so common. I literally see this every week an employee signs an employment agreement while they're already working, then down the road they lose their job and the employer says, well, you know that agreement that you signed a year ago or two years ago? That agreement limits your severance. And now that we let you go, we don't have to pay you your full severance. We can only pay you a small fraction because of that agreement that you signed. Well, guess what? As you've just said, if that employee did not get anything in return for signing that agreement, they were already working, then that agreement is not worth the paper it's written on and it certainly does not limit the person's severance entitlements. So that's so important for everyone to understand. If you, in fact, are concerned about whether an agreement is enforceable, if it does limit your entitlements, give me a call. Let's discuss it. In many cases, such as the one that we've just talked about right now, it does not actually limit the person's entitlements. One
0: eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 is the number lior just mentioned. Uh, we're talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make. Here's another beauty, uh, discipline or terminate a pregnant employee. Yeah, uh-huh. wow,
1: John, and and you know, I I really shouldn't even have this on the list anymore yeah. because people should know better. This is not me saying, "Oh, I didn't really know this." Uh, let me write it down. I shouldn't be disciplining or terminating an, a, a pregnant employee. this should go without saying. But guess what, John? There's a reason why it's still on the list. Is because I still see it every week. Uh, it, it apparently doesn't go without saying. You don't mess with Mama, as you say. The T-shirts are coming. The yeah, t-shirts, t-shirts are, are coming. coming. Bumper stickers, a whole <laughs> line. Uh, trademark John Scholes. Uh No, I mean we, we can't really do that because the law provides such protections. It's almost like there's a, this protective cocoon around anyone that's that's pregnant, anyone that's a, a maternity leave or parental leave. Same uh, thing applies to fathers, of course. Uh, you, you shouldn't be disciplining them. You shouldn't be terminating them now you still have to run your business. If you can show that the termination had absolutely nothing to do with the pregnancy or the discipline had absolutely nothing to do, okay, fine. But that's going to be very, very difficult to do. There's almost an assumption there that if you are you you know, you find that someone is pregnant and the next week now they're being suspended because they did something wrong, it almost there's an assumption that, that it's tied to the pregnancy, that you're suspending them because they're pregnant. You don't want to have that fight. So if you can avoid it, I would avoid doing anything like that with an employee on maternity leave, an employee that's pregnant, parental leave, any of that. Just don't mess with it. Distance yourself from the pregnancy. Once that's over and the person's back, then you can think about how to manage the person in the best way possible. Uh, It's just the most important advice I can give employers – don't go there. Don't fall into that black hole. It's huge liabil- liability all around.
0: The things we're talking about uh, this segment, the biggest mistakes that employers make, we'll take a short break into a few more. If you're an employer, this whole show, a lot of the show is for you. So we hope you're taking notes. In the meantime, the number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900 at employmenthour.com through email. And you can go to severancepaycalculator.com if you're an employee or an employer and find out what your severance package should really, really be worth and the entitlements you have uh, waiting for you if that package is right in front of you right now. We'll take a short break. The Employment Hour, Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 is the number. Leor at employmenthour.com through some email. And uh, severancepaycalculator.com, you'll want to find out what your severance offer should be. Your full entitlements, use that app. takes about 30 seconds to run through it. And get the number at the end, which will be both shocking and absolutely uh, correct. We're talking about the big, biggest mistakes that employers make. Uh, they don't accommodate employees' medical limitations. Another bad one.
1: Yeah, and and another bad one, and another one that really should go without saying. If you have an employee that comes to you and says, "Here's my doctor's note. Here's what my limitations are. You know, I can't lift more than fifty pounds, or I don't know, I can't stand for more than five hours. Whatever it is." You as the employer have a very, very strict legal duty to do everything possible to provide that accommodation, to, to provide that help, to allow the employee to come back to work on some sort of a accommodated basis. You cannot say, well, no, too bad. Your job is this, and unless you can do your job 100%, I'm not going to take you back. It doesn't work that way. You have to accommodate, and you have to accommodate even if it's not easy. It's not enough to say, "Well, yeah, I could, but it's going to be a bit of a pain, so I'm not going to do it." <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The, the legal test, the legal description of this is: you have to accommodate to the point of undue hardship. What that means is you have to accommodate only up to a point where it becomes completely crazy, completely unreasonable. But it's, it's, there's a lot, you know, a lot of space between you know easy and completely unreasonable. So the general rule is you have to do everything possible to, to provide that accommodation, to help the person, uh, and that may mean a few things. It may mean changing their hours, changing their duties, allowing them to do a different position, even potentially having someone help them do parts of the job. So if a part of my job is I have to lift these heavy boxes, I can do the other parts, but I can't lift the heavy boxes, well, maybe you find someone to help me with the lifting of the boxes so I can do the other parts of my job. Uh, there's really no limit to the potential, uh, accommodation that could be, uh, that, that, that an employee may have a right to get. Now, what's important here is, is it's not enough for the employee to say, hey employer, this is what I need or this is what I want. That has to come from a doctor. A doctor is the only one that, that can describe what the limitations are. Now, a doctor can't necessarily say, Here's the accommodation. doctor should simply say, this is what the limitations are. This person can't stand for more than five hours or can't lift more than 50 pounds. Then it's up for you, the employer, to make arrangements to find something that fits those limitations, those restrictions. Way too many employers, John, that I see Mm -hmm. don't want to do that because it's not easy, right? It's it's, it's uncomfortable uh, and it makes life more difficult. Uh, But that's not an excuse. Our human rights laws mandate that that happens. And if you refuse to do that... If you refuse to provide proper accommodation, again, not only could you be found to have constructively dismissed the employee, you're also in breach of the human rights legislation. There could be a lot of liability there. So remember, you have to accommodate an employee's medical condition, medical limitations, as long as it's supported by a doctor.
0: one 821 5900 is the number you need to get a hold of Lior any time. Talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make, offering inadequate severance. This has got to be number one of all time.
1: Well yeah <laughs> right? and, and you know it, it is it, it's certainly the most common yeah. I, I, this is the big one. this is the one that I see every single day uh dozens of times a day, literally dozens of times a day. People call us losing their job and their employer's offering them pennies on the dollar. now those employers usually that offer pennies on the dollar fall into one of two uh, of two categories: either the employer uh is you know trying to get away with something, and the employer knows. How much they have to pay but they hope the employee doesn't know so that's one category the other category is, is employers that legitimately don't know or don't appreciate how much they have to pay the employer may believe that they only owe this person two weeks pay or two weeks severance when they, in fact they owe them six months severance either way you know it's no excuse an employer should educate itself as to how much they owe an employer should be informed just like an employee should be educated with respect to their legal entitlements an employer should be educated with respect to its, to its own legal obligation. So an employer can also use the severance pay calculator. There's an employer mode there, works just the same, outlines the, for the employer how much they have to pay and gives them some other tips and advice. Uh, you can use an employment agreement if you're an employer to, to cap liability and, and stipulate how much you'd have to pay. Ignorance is no excuse Uh, So, and, and if you do offer someone inadequate severance, you may find yourself faced with a wrongful dismissal claim. An employee may start legal action for wrongful dismissal because you didn't know any better. You didn't know how much money you paid them. So let's avoid that. Let's understand how much you have to pay. Use the severance calculator. Call me for advice. Call someone for advice if you don't want to call me. Uh, and and don't fall in the trap of believing that it's a week's pay for every year. Uh, it's, It's an invitation for a wrongful dismissal claim.
0: The number, one 821 5900 and uh, Lior at employmenthour.com. If you want to email them after the show as well, severancepaycalculator.com, a tool that we just referred to and finding out the correct number for your severance offer. That is right there. It's been up and running for about two or three years. Literally hundreds of thousands of folks have used it. With much success, you should try it out for yourself. it will take about uh, 30 seconds, and we'll be back uh, in a little more uh, time than that as we take a short break here in the Employment Hour in AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. The conversation uh, so far has been about the biggest mistakes that employers make. Our next one down the list, pal, is uh, don't pay overtime when they should.
1: Yeah, and, and this, in a way, is similar to uh, to what we talked about previously. And Employers that, that don't pay overtime when they should usually fall into two categories – Either the employer hopes that he can get away with it, that the employee may not know that overtime is owed, or the employer itself may not realize that overtime is paid. There's this almost misconception out there that overtime should only be paid to hourly people, or, or that uh overtime has to be approved. None of that is actually true. So so for employers listening, so and for employees listening, to avoid any trouble, here's how it works with overtime. Usually overtime is paid to any employee that works more than 44 hours a week. It doesn't matter if that employee is an hourly employee or a salary employee. An employee that's on a fixed salary that still, still gets overtime if they work more than 44 hours a week. To calculate, uh, and by the way, sorry John, overtime is a, a time and a half right. for any hours spent more than 44 hours a week. So if you work 48 hours, you get paid for four hours based on time and a half. And if you're on a salary, We simply calculate your yearly, your weekly salary and divide that by 44, and that gives us an hourly rate. That times one and a half is what your overtime rate is. Now, there are some positions that are exempt from overtime. For example, IT professionals are are exempt, uh, engineers are exempt, uh, doctors, lawyers, uh, some other professions as well, farmers, pool cleaners. There's a few exemptions. Best one. Best one, pool cleaners. Uh, it's coming up, guys. Summer's around the corner, and, and you guys are not going to get overtime. Uh, but in, in reality, yeah, most other people get uh, overtime. And, it, and the other thing to remember here, John, is a lot of employers think, well, hey, I didn't approve the overtime, so I don't have to pay the overtime. Well, no, it's not that simple. If the overtime hours were actually worked, if, in fact, they were worked and it was legitimate, then you have to pay for it. The fact that someone didn't get it approved may be a disciplinary matter. You may be able to discipline them and say, that's unacceptable. But the fact that it's unacceptable doesn't mean that, well, I'm not going to pay you. It doesn't work that way. So if you worked overtime legitimately more than 44 hours uh, to get the job done, the employer has to pay for it. And employers get into trouble not realizing that. And then they may be faced with claims for unpaid wages, even claims for a constructive dismissal. That could be complaints to the Ministry of Labor. So it's very simple. 44 hours a week, anything over time and a half. Uh, not not that difficult. And you have to remember it.
0: 1 855 821 5900 is the number talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make, uh, not enforcing their own disciplinary uh, measures or policies.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're going to have a disciplinary policy, and by the way, employers, you absolutely should, you should have a policy that outlines, here's what's the acceptable conduct, here's what's not acceptable, and here's how we're going to deal with disciplinary issues. We're going to maybe start off with a verbal warning, then we're going to move to a written warning, maybe then to a suspension. So you have to have policies. It's a very, very, very good idea. It's very difficult to, to punish someone uh, when you don't have a policy dealing with the conduct. But if you're going to have a policy, which, as I said, you should, then you better enforce it. You can't just sit on it... And, and allow people to get away with doing things that are in breach of your policies and then, uh, realize one day that, that, hey, I should have done something about the policy. If, if you have a policy, you should be following it both in terms of discipline, disciplining someone for conduct that should be disciplined for and also in terms of the level of discipline. So if you have a policy that says you're going to move from a, a written, uh, from a, sorry, from a verbal warning to a written to a suspension, follow that policy. Don't jump steps in the queue. Because if you do, you may then find yourself, uh, when you want to terminate someone, as not being able to terminate them because you didn't follow your own policies. Uh, so it's it's very, very important to do that. Have a good person that can manage the system, an HR person, someone that that is dedicated to in- ensuring that your policies are, are complied with. Uh, if not, again, it's an invitation down the road to lots of trouble.
0: Biggest mistakes that employers make. Let me let me throw one out there. I was just thinking while you were talking, and this is uh, treating an employer as a uh, dependent or independent contractor when they are not.
1: Man, yeah. I mean, right? we, we've done sh- entire shows just on this topic, Johnny, and, and you know this issue came to light recently with the Uber case that I'm involved in, uh, where uh, you know we've started a claim against Uber saying that their, their drivers are really employees and not independent contractors, but Uber aside, this issue is so, so, so common where employers hire people as quote-unquote independent contractors because it's simpler, because it's cheaper, because you don't have to comply with pesky things such as employment laws, uh, and, and they think that's good enough. Well, yeah. it's not. And if it's someone is not really an independent contractor, then you can't call them that. If they're not really in business for themselves, uh, if they really work for you and only for you, they're an employee, and that's all it is, and it doesn't matter what you call them. It doesn't matter what they signed. It doesn't matter that you're not withholding taxes or that they're charging you HST. None of that actually matters. So, uh, and, and then the liability there is significant because at some point, CRA may look at this and say, wait a second, this person should have been considered an employee, and you, employer, should have been deducting taxes and remitting taxes to the government. You didn't do that, so we're going to fine you. We're going to penalize you or you may wanna let the person go because it's not working out, thinking I don't have to pay any severance because they're not an employee, and then realize, well, wait a second, I have to pay them lots of severance because they really are an employee in the eyes of the law. So these things happen all the time, very common mistake employers make, very common mistake everyone makes, thinking that it's easy to just say someone is an employee, or sorry, someone is not an employee, and that the law would just say, well, if you say he's not, then it must be that he's not. It doesn't work that way. The law always looks at substance over form. And if I'll conclude this by saying, John, if you're now working as an independent contractor and you just lost your job, give me a call. I'm going to give you extremely high odds that you're owed severance, that the law would recognize you as something other than an independent contractor, and you, you're owed severance.
0: We'll take a short break. Uh, bounce over to your summary, uh, your emails as soon as we come back. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 821 5900 and leor L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Employment Hour continues. Talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number one 821 5900 and Leor L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll get to, uh, get to some of those emails right now. We'll bounce over to Nicole. Says, uh, my employer fired me for theft, which I didn't do. The employer also refused to give me any proof. What can I do?
1: Well, you know, I'm not concerned about proving. I'm concerned about whether the person actually did it. If you stole, then obviously that's the the worst thing you can do when it comes to an, an employment relationship. That's the you know the unforgivable sin, if you will. So you can be let go. On the other hand, to be accused of stealing when you didn't do it, well, then that's just equally as bad. No one should be accused of, of something as serious as theft as stealing if uh, their employer doesn't really have the goods on them. So if you've been let go and you because you, you, the employer says you stole, well, that's a wrongful dismissal. Of course it's a wrongful dismissal. And in fact, because that's a very harsh way to deal with someone, accusing them of stealing when there's really nothing on them, uh, then the employer may have to pay you additional compensation, some other damages, just because of the harsh treatment. So give me a call. Uh, I definitely want to talk to you if, if you've been accused to do something that you haven't done. Uh, and employers, please, I mean, if, if someone stole from you, yeah, you can, you should let them go. In fact, you must let them go, but make sure you know that they did. Make sure you have the proof. Uh, speculation is simply not going to be good enough.
0: We'll get to, uh, Sean here writes in again, Leor at employmenthour.com says, I found an envelope with money in the store where I work, took it to the police and left it with them. My employer told me I should have taken it to the store owner. They fired me. Can they do this?
1: well that that's harsh uh, i mean i can I can see the store maybe having a policy that says if you find something, you gotta return it to us and we'll deal with it right. rather than you taking matters to your own hand. I can see that, but to say that because you breached that policy, assuming they even had a policy like that 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 to think that that would be cause, no, it wouldn't be cause uh, I mean, could they let the person go with severance? yeah, sure, but not without severance so uh, unless uh you know obviously if you didn't pocket the money you give it to the police even if that's not what the employer wanted you to do yeah maybe they'll be able to give you a warning for that you know it's not acceptable from now on this is what you do but to jump straight up or straight to a termination no it's certainly not a termination for cause so again it does also sound like a wrongful dismissal in this case Give me a call. Let's, let's talk about it, and let's make sure that you get the severance that you're out.
0: Elizabeth uh, sends an email and says, great show, guys. I was just told that I need to uh, take a transfer to the U.S. with my company. I'm interested in doing that, but is there anything I need to do to protect myself?
1: Good. Yeah, good question, Elizabeth. Absolutely. The first thing you want to do if you're going to be transferred to the U.S. is you want to make sure that the laws of whatever state you're going to be working at are not going to apply, and it's going to be instead the laws here of Ontario. Ontario laws are so much better for the employee than the laws uh, in the U.S. So you don't want to move to uh, New Jersey and have the laws of New Jersey apply to you because that may mean you can lose your job at any time with no compensation. Over there, they have what we call at-will employment. So you want to make sure that Ontario laws continue to apply. The other thing you want to make sure is that your your service doesn't start again at zero, Right. that your employer is going to recognize your service for all purposes uh, because of this uh, transfer and, and uh, so so that's number two. Number three is you also want to make sure that there's an exit clause, that there's an, the ability to maybe come back here if things don't work out. You may say, I'm going to try it out, but maybe there's there's a provision that allows you to determine within a period of time uh, that you want to come back to work and also how expenses are going to be dealt with in, ter- in terms of you having to move back here. There's a lot to talk about, so I, I would suggest you give me a call to chat about it in more detail.
0: So uh, you, you, what did you refer to the, uh, the uh, U.S., the work down there? What did you yeah, call that? Yeah, it's
1: what we call at-will employment. What does that mean?
0: There. Now, the,
1: essentially that means that uh, you, you're working for us as long as we want you to work for us. And if we want to let you go for whatever reason, we could do so, no notice, no severance. Uh, it, it's, no. It, it's, it's something that's completely foreign here in Canada. It does not exist. An employer cannot do that. We have really, really good severance laws here. So for, for Elizabeth, if she's going to move to New Jersey, uh, you know she doesn't want to be in a situation here where let's say she's worked for 10 years and she gets moved to Jersey and then a month later she's let go and because the laws of New Jersey apply, she gets nothing. Whereas if she was in Ontario, she could get a year's pay. Wow. So it's very important for anyone that's being transferred is to not have US laws apply to you.
0: Well, I got about a minute left here. Take us down the uh, the road one more time with two things: terminationquestions.com dot com and severance pay calculator. Would you?
1: Yeah. So as I said, a severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com, dot com. First place you go to if you lose your job. Simple to simply find out if uh, the severance that you've been offered is adequate, or if, uh, or just to find out how much severance you should be getting. Now, you may have a more involved questions. You may have other issues. Maybe you're dealing with a human rights matter, a harassment matter. Maybe your employer is not being cooperative when you're on a disability leave, well, you go to terminationquestions.com and you ask your question there, again, anonymous, you don't have to put your name. And I'll respond or one of my colleagues will respond usually within a few minutes. There's also a huge database there of questions that have already been answered. Uh, It's a a very easy way to ask your question without having to worry about uh, speaking with someone or having a consultation or making an appointment. You can always go to terminationquestions.com.
0: Till next week, uh, my friend and everyone else, the number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, And as Leor just mentioned, severancepaycalculator.com. Keep that on your, your uh, mobile device at all times and check out any time you see what your actual severance offer should be. Dollar-wise, it'll tell you right there. Till next time, the Employment Hour, AM 640, right here and AM 900 CHML.